Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. With such beautiful music, it's hard for me to come out hot out of the break accusing Dan Cook of being a traitor. You wouldn't be the first. I wouldn't be the first. No. You've been accused of being a traitor I've before. I've been accused way worse than that. The word traitor is a part of our discourse almost daily right now. Donald Trump is probably the center of the traitor universe, whether you believe that he is a traitor or he is accusing other people of being a traitor. It's so timely for Steve Yock to write this book, Becoming Benedict Arnold, A Traitor's Tale. Steve, thanks for coming in. It's great being on. Thanks for having me. So when I first heard that you were publishing another book, another look at history through your unique lens, the the concept of traitor really intrigued me because it's a word that I well how do you define it? Well, first of all, the Constitution does right. Article three, section three says it, it's in the the, tra- the founders did us a, a real service. It's very narrowly been defined. It is providing aid and comfort to an active enemy of the United States. The providing comfort part is what I think gets a little tricky, right? Right, and and really. It is not simply – first of all, it has to be an enemy. That is an enemy with whom we are currently engaged in war. Mm. So it's it's super narrow. And that that's a gift they give us because otherwise every time you didn't agree with somebody, they could be a traitor. They could be, right. The, the, but the, that's not it. No, the founders kept it really narrow, which is which is great. It is uh, – it prevents a, a reign of terror that would have occurred. And, and they were thinking about it because of, because of Benedict Arnold and because of George III. Right. Those two guys sort of informed why they kept it narrow when they were putting together. Because it is a funny when you look at all of the things defined in the Constitution, it does seem like who's sitting at the meeting was like, hey, we better include a part about the about being a traitor. But it's specifically because of what uh, had happened earlier. Yeah. I mean, Benedict Arnold's treason was only two or three years or a few years before the Constitutional Convention. Yeah. One and two is <clears throat> George the Third said. Anyone, everyone who doesn't agree with me is committing treason. Hmm. And they didn't want to live in a world Sounds anymore. familiar, doesn't right. it? Right. They yeah. did not want to live in a world where if you don't agree with me, you're committing treason. And so they kept it really narrow, and that saves us all 250 years later, I think. Steve Yock is our guest. Becoming Benedict Arnold, A Traitor's Tale is the book just out. And, you know, one of the things that I think interest, is interesting about the analysis you did in tracing this tale is – the mindset of a traitor. Do you know that you are in fact a traitor when you are traitoring? No. And in fact, what's really interesting, I did a lot of reading about, there was a lot of declassified uh, research that was done from the 80s about traitors. And none of them think they're a traitor. Alder James famously said, I'm not a traitor, even though everyone says I'm a traitor. Benedict did not think he was a traitor. He believes he was betrayed. Hmm. Um, And so that my book is actually in the first person. So it tells Benedict's a traitor's tale from his perspective. And I don't think any traitor ever thinks he or she was a traitor. Right. Um, they get drawn into it. 
Yeah, it makes it very difficult to have, and it's impossible to think about this without thinking about it through the modern lens and sort of the dialogue that we have today, where people are so kind of loyal and passionate about whoever they support that it becomes very easy to sort of say, well, he's he's doing this because he loves the country. Like, it's not... He's not a traitor. And Benedict had supporters, too. Yeah. I mean, I think the interesting thing now is anyone that doesn't agree with you on both ends, extreme ends of the spectrum, is a traitor. I think what Benedict has in common with a lot of people now is he was utterly uncompromising. Hmm. You were either with him or against him. And unlike Hamilton and Jefferson, who hated each other but ultimately could compromise, Benedict couldn't bring himself to do that. And thus, he viewed anybody who disagreed with him as a traitor. And ironically, of course, he was the traitor. What... When you did your research, well, first, what what drew you to Benedict Arnold? What made you want to focus on him? It's a great story. I mean, it's I, obviously we all knew that he's a big traitor and bad dude, but he was also a great patriot. He was an incredible entrepreneur, and he was the greatest battlefield general on both sides of the war. And yet he gave into his worst impulses and kind of gave into the dark side, if you will, and allowed the evil nature of his nature to 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 ultimately inform his decisions. For people who don't know, because some people may not know the story of Benedict Arnold, uh, certainly not in the detail that you uh, have learned, give people the thumbnail sketch. Uh, he was an early patriot. He was a son of liberty, went to the Constitutional Convention, became an early in, involved in the war, fought bravely in multiple battles, arguably saved the revolution at Valcor Island and at Saratoga. He was severely wounded twice. Um, and then ultimately became disenchanted with the political struggles that were going on in the revolution. We don't quite realize, but there were radicals and conservatives within the revolution, and he was attacked by the radicals, and that drew, drove him ultimately into the British arms with the help of his loving wife, who was also a loyalist. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. I think today it would be easy to dismiss the motivation of Benedict Arnold and say, well, he he did it for the money because he did get paid by the British Army, he right? Did. Yep. Did he do it for the money? No. Um, he, he did it partially for the money because he, he was going to be walking away from a fortune when he left. But he did it because he was ultimately uh, completely disenchanted with the, the radical side of the revolution. They treated him badly. Um, he felt – and again – if you don't agree with me, you don't agree with me if I'm Benedict Arnold, then I'm against you. And by the way, people let him down, including George Washington, who didn't stand behind to sign him in sometimes. But he couldn't see the nuance. And so if you're not going to be with me, I'm going to go join the British because they're going to give me more money and they're going to make me an earl. And I'm going to kill everyone who, including George Washington, who didn't support me enough. It is a remarkable story. I mean, you think like here's this guy who's a, a general in – in the, you know, well, not the United States Army at that time, the Continental Army. And then because things didn't go his way and the personality gets into it and the ego that that someone would would say, well, screw you. I'm joining the Brits. That is it's remarkable. <clears throat> that is exactly it. In fact, 
you know, his wife's whispering in his ear and saying, look, you know, they don't appreciate you, Benny. Yeah. You should you should go join the other side. And he was prepared to have Washington and the Marquis de Lafayette and Henry Knox and, and Hamilton all hung. Hmm. Um, so it's a it's a tremendous. Is that what would have happened, you think, yeah. if he succeeded? Yeah. If he is, if he had succeeded, American history would have been fundamentally different. He he had arranged to have all them captured and turned over, uh, uh, the, you know, the, one of the main forts in, in America. And and so I think if he had done that, it would have probably led to what it was then was the Carlisle Commission coming in and we probably would have had to sue for peace and we would have remained a, a colony. It would have fundamentally changed the, the course of American history. And he, he failed by such a, a, a tiny little amount. It was such an unbelievable story about his failure. And we were so lucky, as George said, it was the hand of providence that saved our country. Um, it was a, a, an incredibly lucky thing for us. Steve Yuck has written a book called Becoming Benedict Arnold, A Traitor's Tale. By trade, you're a lawyer. Yeah. What's what's the the the, the draw for you to it, to tell these stories? Is it is it the history? Is it the research? Is it the writing? What part of it? Yes, it's all it's three. All, yeah. It's all three. It's it's um, first of all, I started writing my first book. That again, it's a story about George Washington that no one knows, and that story was so compelling. And then I started doing dialogue, which I really liked, and I liked the research. And when that book got done, I already had this one in my head. And I have my next book in my head. And so it's, it, it's so fun. And, and it's fun getting inside George Washington's head, getting inside Benedict Arnold's head. Is getting, that why you go first person? Yes. Because it takes a while. But once you get in their head, and I recognize they're not actually in my head. Right. But I get to hear their voices in my head, which is, is a transcendental moment that I cannot stop doing. That moment when you hear Benedict's voice in your head and then you get to put it down on paper is – is is just wonderful and why I'm going to keep doing this. As long Do you as like him? I, I I don't think he was a great guy to hang out with. I would not have wanted to have a beer with him right. like he I did. would with you anytime <laughs> you're available. He doesn't but pass he's the not, beer He's test. not like you. But um, I respect him in the sense that he was a terrific entrepreneur. He started with nothing. Um, he was a brilliant general. His men loved him. Um, but he couldn't get along with people that were equal or above him. He was very prickly. And so I don't think I would have liked him. But he had – I wish I could tell you he was just this evil guy and so it's all good because we can see evil guys. But the reality is when he committed his treason, George Washington said, whom can we trust now? And that's the kind of clue now wow. we'd say, if I can't trust him, who the heck can I trust? Right. Right? So That's no, pretty – that's profound. Right? right. Nobody expected that when it was him. Your point of like he was a successful general. Everybody liked him. He had been wounded twice. He was an amazing Kind of started the Navy, right? I yeah. Mean, I mean, well, he built a whole he Navy. He built a whole Navy. Right. Yeah. I mean he, he was brilliant. And so it was shocking hmm. that he did what he did. So at the end of the day, yeah, I respect him. I don't like him. Yeah, I think that right. makes sense. Yeah, and right. he, 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 at the end of the day, we're lucky he failed. Um, but it was a darn close thing, and it's a ripping yarn. Steve Yuck is the author. The book is Becoming Benedict Arnold. Uh, nice, nice holiday gift. It's a great holiday gift, especially for the history lover in your life. History lovers will love it. Uh, Such a dramatic story. I can't wait to dig into it. Steve, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me on. People can find it everywhere, right? Absolutely. Amazon. And if you go to my website, yach.com, Y-O-C-H, you can buy locally there, too. Very good. Becoming George Washington was the first book. Becoming Benedict. You're not going to tell us who the next one is, are you? Becoming Victorious. Oh, Becoming Victorious. It's about the victory at Yorktown. Nice. All right, really good. Steve Yock, thank you. 449 Traffic and Weather next on CCO. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.